0: Welcome to the Flood Church Sermon Podcast, where we bring you sermons from our teaching team at Flood Church, Lilongwe, Malawi. For more information, you can go to floodchurch.com. Nehemiah 4, verse 1 to 23. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the war, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their war? Will they offer sacrifices? Will, will, they finish it? will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls of stones. Hear us, O oh God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back to their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up, do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's war had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we pray to our God we prayed to our God and posted a God day and night to meet their threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of, of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the, the wall." Also, our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them, and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, Wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the war, each to our own work. From that day on, half of the men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, and borne and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried the materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of the dawn dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helpers stay inside Jerusalem at night, so they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by, by day. Neither I, nor my brothers, nor my men, nor my guards, took, uh, nor my guards with me took off our clothes. You, each had his weapon even when he went for water. May God bless the reading of his word. You may take a seat. Yeah, this story is amazing because uh, if you don't know where we're at, actually, here's Nehemiah. Nehemiah grew up in a, in a different city. Uh, he never grew up in Jerusalem. Hey, Chris, it's good to see you, man. Welcome, Pam. Welcome. I've not seen these guys in a month. It's good to see you. Um, you know, so they, you know, uh, Nehemiah heard the news that Jerusalem has been in ruins for a long time. And uh, when he heard this news, his heart broke. And uh, he prayed and prayed and fasted and prayed. And God actually placed it upon his heart to the point that he was so overwhelmed with emotion that the king noticed what was wrong. And the king said, hey, what is wrong with you? And uh, he says, oh, the place of my sisters is in ruins. Uh, And the king says, what should I do for you? And he asks uh, to say, hey, why don't you send me off? Uh, But also... You're not just going to send me off, but you also have to pay for my trip and pay for the resources. And the king says, all right, we're going to do that. That is so cool. Imagine telling your boss, like, hey, boss, I want to go on a holiday to Hawaii, but I wanted to pay for it. How crazy is that? And the boss says, yes, you can. So cool. Uh, But, you know, uh, Nehemiah is on a mission, and he's going to go on a mission. And, um, you know, the king actually Uh, you know, favors him and he gives him all the resources that he needs. So Nehemiah goes uh, and he inspects the city and sees uh, the ruins that the city was in. And we saw that in chapter 2. And in chapter 3, which Kate did a fantastic job of last week, reading all kinds of names there that you don't want to give to your kids. Uh, You know, 32 verses of just names of people. And, uh, you know... We're seeing in, the, in chapter 3 that there was work happening, yeah? There's people doing well. They're saying, yes, let's do this. People are building the wall and they're on fire. But then you get to chapter 4, this chapter, and you see it kind of begins to tell you what was actually really happening. This is kind of like a behind-the-scenes type of thing, you know? Uh, chapter 3 is like, look the amazing work. Look how people are together. Nobody's afraid. Everybody's courageous. But then... Looking behind the scenes, there is chapter 4. And chapter 4 now begins to tell you what was actually really going on, what was really happening. So, in chapter 4, we find that the ruined walls of Jerusalem are in the process of recovery. They're in the process of recovery. And this is a big deal because remember that the walls have been in ruins for a long time. The walls have been in ruins for a long time. And now to come to this place when uh, they could when you can see work happening, that there's actually a recovery uh, happening, this was absolutely amazing. Because before, when you look at Jerusalem and you look at the ruins and its glory was lost, its beauty was gone, was lost. But thank God for Nehemiah, that you know, he you know, brought people together and said, guys, we can do this, we can rebuild the wall. So they started doing it. And they started, you know, rebuilding. So, you know, they are moving from a state of ruins. And there is a goal where they're going to reach. And the goal where they're wanting to reach, that goal is is restoration. You know, so you have ruins. And moving from ruins to restoration, there is this in-between. You know, the in-between process. This is the process of recovery. You are getting out of the ruins, but you are yet... To get to a place of restoration so in the state of ruins then you have the state of restoration but in between the state of ruins and the state of restoration you have this state of recovery This state of recovery moving from point A to point B you have a dash and that dash it takes you a long time to move from point A to point B, and this is recovery. Now, recovery is hard. Recovery is not easy. It is hard. It is hard. And in some ways, actually, it is easier to leave things in ruins because ruins does not require a lot of work. Ruins just requires neglect. That's what it is. You just neglect it, you know, Uh, and, and just leave it there. Just leave it there. But... When you decide, when you make a decision that actually I want to do some work on these ruins, you're going to start a process of recovery. And recovery is not easy. It is hard. It is hard. It is difficult. And why is that? It is difficult because recovery is not an event. It is a process. Moving from a state of ruins for you to get to a state of restoration Is a process. It is a process. It's not an event. It is a process. So we are seeing Nehemiah and the people of Israel, you know, they are building the wall, moving from ruins to restoration, but they are yet to get to restoration, and they are in the state of recovery, in the state of recovery. And recovery is hard because recovery demands that you respond positively to the tools that God will provide for you, to get you to recovery. You know, um, uh, I think there was, uh, hey, you know, Sam Sam is a physio, and sometimes if he's working, if your bone somewhere is broken, he might give you a shoe or something like that to help put your bones together. And, uh, you know, if he has to give you the right tools for you to get to recovery. And for you to get there, you need to respond favorably to the tool that's given to you which is in recovery. So recovery would demand that we respond positively to the tools that we have that helps us to get to the place of restoration. It also demands consistency, that we are consistently working. It demands consistency. So recovery is hard. Recovery is not easy. Recovery is not a door that you walk through. Recovery is not a door that you walk through. But it is a road that you walk on. It is a road that you walk on. It's not a door that you're going to walk through. It is, a, it is a road that you walk on. Aren't, aren't uh, doors exciting? You know, you open a door, you enter into a room, you're in a different location. Exciting. You know, you're moving from one room to another, you just open the door. I'm here. Change has just happened right away. You know? But this process of recovery... It's not a door that you have to walk through. It is a road that you have to walk on. It is a road that you have to walk on. This road is different. Because for you to get to that place, the road will require that you take as many steps with God as possible to get you to the place that you have to get to. And the road will take some time. Will not just be like walking through a door, and you change your location, and you change scenery. For you to change scenery on a road, you gotta take as many steps as you can, for you to change scenery. For finally to reach to that place that you want to reach. So in chapter four, we see Nehemiah coming face to face with obstacles on his journey to restoration. In this process of restoration, he encounters obstacles. He encounters opposition. Now there are six false messages that Nehemiah could have encountered. Actually, that came his way and that he could have believed when he was in his way to restoration. Because when we are walking in this season, in this process of recovery, there can be false messages. And if we believe them, they will dwell us. If we believe them, they will take us off our destination of restoration, So as we'll be looking at these first messages, I want to encourage you to look into your own life. Where are places that God is, is calling you to do some work? Places of ruins. Or maybe you have actually started already, you know, and you are in this, on this journey. You are in the process, the process of recovery. And where that is. And so just think about your own life. And the recovery processes you are a part of so that you can catch these false messages to help you to not fall into them. Uh, when we read verse 1, the verse 1 says, When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. The first false message about recovery is that your recovery from ruin is too great to be achieved. Your recovery from ruin is too great to be achieved. Nehemiah had a son ballad in his life who said, Oh, you don't know what you're doing, dude. Let me, let me paint a picture of how big, how impossible this task is. In fact, you, maybe you do not know what's really going on. And he ridiculed him. He ridiculed him. I said, You don't know what's happening. This is impossible. You cannot get there. This is so impossible. And I'm thinking in my own life, probably maybe I don't actually have a sun ballot. You know, I actually don't have somebody who was pointing, Humphreys, it's so impossible for you to get to restoration in that area of your life. But I think most of my sun ballots come from within. The doubts that I have within. When I begin the process of recovery, I begin to doubt that my ruins are so great to be achieved. My ruins are so great, too great to be achieved. And, and, and you know what? I cannot, I cannot have this recovery from my ruins. Your recovery from ruins is too great to be achieved. That is a lie of the devil. Even if it is coming from within, you know, when you are doubting yourself, When you look at the journey that's before you and you're like, sure. Like a South African, sure. You know, this is so hard. Sure. Will I really get there? Will I really reach restoration? On the journey to recovery, on the journey to restoration, as we are recovering, we can believe a lie. And that first lie is that your recovery from ruin is too great to be achieved. When you look at the cost, your cost is too big to pay. The cost is too big to pay. Maybe your journey maybe of that recovery might require you cutting off certain relationships. And you are like, should I lose these relationships? Should I lose these things? Or maybe leaving behind certain behaviors. That you got used to. And you may see the cost to be too huge. But this is a lie. This is a lie. Your recovery from ruin is not too great to be achieved. Because Jesus is greater. Amen. The second first message about recovery is that your recovery from ruin is too slow to be completed. Uh, When we read verse 2, it says, And in the presence of his associates, and the army of Samaria, he said, "What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubber, of rubble, burned as they are?" This is Sanballat hey, doing his work, and he says, "It's just too slow. Will will you actually manage to complete this in a day? You will not." You will not manage to complete this in a day. And sometimes we can look into this process of recovery. Recovery takes time. It takes time. And we may want for it to go swiftly. But when we are in this process of recovery, do not pay attention to how slow the journey is or how swift the journey is. But pay attention to the growth that God brings when you are on that journey. Pay attention to the growth that God brings when you're on that journey. Because you might be believing a lie that this is taking too long. This is taking too long. I thought I would leave this thing behind, but now it's been five years. Hey? It's been five years now. It's taking too long. This process is too slow for it to be completed. I was doing great last week. You know, I took one step forward. But now I feel like I've taken five steps backwards. This is too too slow. Whatever journey of recovery you're on, do not believe this lie. That your recovery from ruin is too slow to be completed. It is not. Because even slowness on your journey, it is part of the journey. Even that slowness, it is part of your growth. It is part of your growth. So do not believe a lie that your, your recovery from ruin is too slow to be completed. The third false message about recovery that we can believe is that your recovery from ruin is too fragile to be sustained. Too fragile to be sustained. Verse 3 says, Tobiah the Ammonite who was at his side said, What are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls of stones. ha 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 ha. ha. He was laughing because he was, this was a joke. Eh? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls. Even a dog would break down their walls. What are they actually doing? It's too fragile, too fragile to be sustained. And Sometimes when we're in this process of recovery, we're going to feel weak. You know, There are times you're going to feel weak. You're going to feel like, I don't know if I can really do this. I don't know if you ever felt that way. I don't know if I can really go on on this road. I don't know if I can actually do this. And when we are getting to restoration in this process of recovery, sometimes we're going to feel weak. I've been trying to walk on this road, but every time I feel like I'm getting there, I fall again. Every time when I'm trying to get there, I fall again. But we believe that the rushes who fall down Seven times, but they will rise again. For it is in our weakness that God shows up to be stronger, isn't it? Your recovery from ruin is too fragile to be sustained. That's a lie. And lie number four. The fourth message about recovery is that your recovery from ruin is too hard to be continued. It's too hard to be continued. Let's read verse 7 and 8. It says, but when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs... The Ammonites and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's war had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed. They were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Here's Nehemiah who, uh, you know, first of all, it was just rumors, you know, that there are these people that want to oppose him. And then it was ridicule. You know, they would just laugh at him. Uh, and, you know, he, he endured that. You know, you can laugh. That's okay. You can laugh. But they began insults. So that a bit, going a bit deeper, the opposition is like, okay, insults. That's fine. But we're going to pray. And, you know, in chapter 4, uh, verse 6, he actually prays this dangerous prayer. Uh, I don't want to go into that prayer, but he does. And now they're actually posing threats. They're actually wanting to come and fight them. It does not rain but pours for this guy. Like one obstacle after another. One obstacle. If he, you know, he defeats one and another one comes, and another one comes, another one comes. It is getting too hard. It is getting too hard. And it is, it is easy for him to believe like, come on, is this, is this even worth it? Should we even recover this war? Is this actually worth it for us to do? Maybe this opposition is actually presenting that God is saying no for you to continue. He could have believed a lie that their recovery from ruin is too hard to be continued. And we know the road to restoration is not easy. The road to restoration, this recovery process, is uncomfortable. But often God will never take us in comfortable places he will take us through the roads that will grow us the most. And the roads that will grow us the most, the ways that will grow us the most are uncomfortable, are hard, are hard. So do not believe a lie that your recovery from ruin is too hard to be continued because God is with you. The fifth false message about recovery is that your recovery from ruin is too messy to be genuine. Your recovery from ruin is too messy to be genuine. Verse 10 says, Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. It's too messy. It's too messed up. Uh, when we are reading, was that chapter 2, that uh, you know, even a donkey will not pass certain places because the, the rubble just everywhere and huge. It was a messy place. It was so messy, you know. And your recovery from ruin is too messy to be genuine. That could be a lie that you believe. But we know that there is beauty that God built out of the chaos, isn't it? Out of the rubble, there's beauty that God will build. For you to have a beautiful painting, if you're going to go in the room that that painting was being made, it's a messed up place, isn't it? Messed up space. There's mercy, messiness there. But it is out of that, out of that room that the beautiful painting came out of. So there will be times when we're going to feel like our life are too messy. And maybe the mess is that we ourselves create. But our God shows us mercy. He shows you mercy. And he is so merciful. So do not believe a lie that you are covered from you. Uh, that your recovery from ruins is too messy to be genuine. And lastly, the sixth the first message about recovery is, your recovery from ruin is too painful to be good. It is too painful to be good. Verse 11 and 12 says, Also our enemies say it. Before they knew it or see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Nehemiah could have asked, is this actually worth risking my life? Just because something is too painful does not mean it is not good. For not all painful things are bad, actually. And sometimes in the moment, not all bad things are painful. Even though we end eventually, even though we know eventually they're gonna be a pain. So when you desire restoration, when you are on this journey, this journey is gonna be painful. The journey of recovery is gonna be painful. It's gonna be so, so painful. But just because it is painful does not mean it is not good. For it is good for you. It is good for you. So what are you gonna do then? When we are on this journey of recovery, what are you going to do? Now you've got to believe the truth. You've got to believe the truth. And the first truth is that God himself is fighting with you, so don't give up the fight. God himself is fighting with you, so do not give up the fight. Continue being on this road of recovery. Do not give up, even though it might be hard, even though, even though it might be messy. Do not give up. God is fighting with you. Verse 4 to 6 says, Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own hearts. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the war till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. Nehemiah goes to God. He goes to God and he says, God, Look what's going on. Look what's happening. And God is actually with him. God himself is fighting alongside us. You know, God joins us in the fight. God joins us in the fight. So he is fighting. God is fighting with you on that journey of recovery. God is with you. You are not alone. Truth number two, God himself is fighting through you. So don't give up the fight. God himself is fighting through you. So don't give up the fight. Just going to read a part. But if you read verse 13 to 18, that's where you find that truth. But verse 14 says, after I looked these things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your and your homes and your homes.'" Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. God himself, he is fighting through you. So he tells them, Nehemiah tells these guys, like, you know what? God is actually going to use you guys to fight this war. But you know what? Fight for your families. You know, fight for your homes. Because God will use you. On that road to restoration, God has you. And he's going to use you to be a part of that. Of that restoration. God is going to use you. So we are his agents. And God is working and fighting through us. God is working and fighting through us. And the last truth to remember from this scripture. Is that God himself is fighting for you. God himself is fighting for you. So don't give up the fight. He is fighting for you. Verse 20 says wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet. Join us there. Our God will fight for us. Our God will fight for us. Remember that truth, that God will fight for you. So do not give up. Do not give up the fight. God is fighting your battles on this road to recovery. On this road to recovery, God is fighting for you. And he is for you and not against you. So believe the truth. That God is fighting with you. God is fighting through you, and God is fighting for you. Amen. I don't know what's happening with all of you. I don't know what's going on in your life, but you, each of us, have our own journeys. Places that we have seen ruins in our lives, and we are trying, and we are moving forward. We are in the process of recovery. Do not pay attention to the lies that come from the devil. Do not pay attention to the lies that come, most especially from within, the battles that we fight from within. But may you hear the word of the Lord. May you hear the truth of God this morning. Thanks for listening to the Flood Church Sermon Podcast. Please send us your feedback by commenting below or by emailing floodlilongwe at gmail.com.